0: today as we uh, move into this it's called Close Encounters today and we've got a fascinating verse for us out of Exodus thirty-three, 11 uh, we're going to look at this it Says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend that's just fascinating I want you to circle that phrase face to face because for some of you you're not seeing God face to face God doesn't seem close God seems far away you don't talk to God like he's a friend. You certainly don't talk to God like he's a father. You see God more of like the old Sunday school kind of God. He's the Noah and the ark God. He's the Moses and the burning bush God. He's the Daniel and the lion's den God. He's a long ago, far away God. Not an up close and personal God. And so that's been my prayer for you through this This 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you would see God as a now God, that you would see Him as a face to face God, that you would have a close encounter with God. Now, your response might be, well, Kelly, you know, that's fine for Moses, but I'm not Moses. I don't see myself talking to God face to face. In fact, I'm not even sure if that's supposed to happen. Well, let me show you this first 2 Corinthians 3 16 through 18. Paul writes this, he says, whenever though they, and the they there is the church, the they is believers, it's you and me. Whenever you and me turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there we are face to face face to face. It's just so cool how all this stuff comes together when, when, you, when you really start to recognize it. One of the key verses that we've had through our prayer time is 2 Chronicles 7, where God says this, and we've been reading this every day for a week. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. God wants us to seek his face, to meet with him face to face, just like Moses did. And God says, if you ever decide, and it's your decision, God says, if you ever decide that you want to meet with me face to face, he'll remove the veil. He'll remove the barriers between you and God. And I can give you a long list of what the barriers are or could be, and you've probably got your own list of barriers, what they could be, but it doesn't matter what the barriers are because God says, I'll just, I'll remove them. If you decide you want to encounter me." God will remove those barriers. And suddenly, you will recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. That's that's kind of a fluffy Bible way to say that all all that religion, all that ought-to, have-to, should-to kind of stuff that you do, all the stuff that you do but you don't really want to do. You know, when, when you read your Bible because you know you're supposed to rather than because it's alive and fresh and you want to, or you pray because you know you're supposed to, or maybe it's a last resort and now you have to, rather than, than, than because you want to. It's become a religion or an obligation. God says, I'll just wash all that away if you'll get up close and personal with me. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of His face. You know, you get up close face to face with somebody, it changes you. It changes how you look. It has an impact on you. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives, and read this last phrase with me, and we become like Him. That's the goal of all of this, that we, you, me, become like him. What an amazing process of transformation God wants to do in our lives. What an amazing transformation God wants. He wants us to become like Christ. Now, I want you in that verse to circle the word gradually, because that's how it happens. It happens gradually over time. I've been a believer for 40-some years, over 41 years, and I still struggle with sin. In fact, I still struggle with sin, so I committed 41 years ago. But I'll tell you, I'm not the person I was 41 years ago. I am not. And if I would have stayed on my track, I would have destroyed my life. But I didn't stay on my track. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and for 41 years I've been trying to meet God face-to-face. And because of that, I didn't destroy my life. I have a great life. And you can have a great life, too. And many of you know that because you've had your encounter with Christ along the way. And He has he's just blessed you and given you a good life. And you're not like you. You're becoming more and more like Him all the time. But some of you are struggling in your life and in your walk with the Lord. And I, and I see people struggling more and more all the time as the, our days grow more and more evil. So why are we struggling? On your notes. Because we need power, not just words. 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. And I just want to stop there and tell you that if Paul wanted to go there, he could have gone there. If Paul wanted to use wise and persuasive words, he was one of the most intelligent, most well-educated people in his day. We can tell by his writings in Scripture that if he wanted to present a persuasive argument, he could have done it. He says, I didn't do that. I didn't use persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. If your marriage is going to be restored, if your kids are going to come back from rebellion, if you're going to shake that addiction or lifelong habit, if your finances are going to get in order, if you're going to get physically healthy, it's going to take more than words. It's going to take God's power. God's power. Now, I love good teaching. In fact, that's one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. And I, I love laying out systems and processes and steps. I love giving you, you know, five things you need to do to have a great marriage and six things you need to do to get financially fit and, and seven ways to heal your relationships. I love Dave Ramsey's financial peace and his baby steps and his plan through a total money makeover. I love Rick Warren's Daniel plan and how to get physically fit. I benefited greatly from both of those plans and systems. I love our growth track and small group process. I love our fall spiritual growth campaign that's coming up. I'm just, I'm real excited about that. I love all the great Bible preachers and teachers on the radio and TV and on the web. I love all the devotionals that you can read on Facebook and Twitter and and wherever. I love the Christian musicians and and the, the way they lead us in worship. I think you ought to eat that stuff up. But you need more than man's wisdom you need more than words. You you need God's power. You need a close encounter if you're going to change. Because look at this next one. We need an encounter, not just an explanation. Because a personal encounter trumps the finest argument. Personal encounter trumps it. That's why the Bible is full of stories who people encountered God. Like the blind man that Jesus healed. And then Jesus' enemies, the religious leaders, they drug him in and they started quizzing him about who he thought Jesus was. And they wanted to, to you know, use him to trap Jesus. It says, finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. He had an encounter. He didn't have an explanation for it, but he had an encounter. Changed his life. And some of you are like that. You, you, you've had an encounter. You've had an encounter with Jesus Christ in His church, and people say, well, why do you go to that church over there? What do they believe? What do they believe about this or that or the other thing? And you're like, I don't know. I just know that my life used to be a mess, and now it's better. I know I used to hate to go to church, and now I can't wait. I don't have an explanation. I've had an encounter. Third thing you need. We need presence, not just practice. Presence, not just practice. Now, circle the words not just, because we need practice. We, we, we need to practice our Christian faith. We need to do, but we need much more than practice. And some of you have been practicing your Christian faith for so long that you've gotten into a, a spiritual routine and you're just going through the motions. Now, you need routine, and you need motions, but you need more than routine and more Than motions because you can show up here every week or every other week or once a month or christmas and easter whatever your pattern is and you you can read your bible every day or you know once a week or once a month or whatever you know you can read your favorite devotional whenever you do it you can do those things you can pray here and there you can do and you can check it off your list your to-do list but the truth is you're getting nothing out of it because there's something dead inside. That's the problem. Some of you are desperate to meet God face to face. Look at Romans 8.11. It says, It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. God can raise a dead man, he can raise a dead marriage. God can raise a dead man, he can raise a dead checkbook. He can raise a dead career. It can happen. It can happen in your life. But how? How? That's the question. So for the next three weeks in this series, I want to share with you encounter stories from the Bible. Because I figure if we can look at, at, at these encounters with God, maybe we can learn something from them. So today we're going to start with Jacob's close encounter. It's found in Genesis 32. In fact, this is the first time in the Bible that the phrase face-to-face is mentioned. There's a law in Bible study uh, known as the law of first mention. If you want to know what a a concept means in the Bible, you go back to the place where it was first mentioned because that will give you the purest form of what that concept means. And so this is the first mention of the term face-to-face, a face-to-face encounter with God. So a little background on this story. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's one of uh, twin sons of Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. Jacob and his um, brother Esau, they were twins, but they weren't identical twins. We have identical twins in our family, and it's pretty cool. But Esau, they weren't identical. Esau was this big, strapping, ruddy, masculine, hairy, hunter kind of a guy, and Jacob wasn't. That's all I'm going to say about that. So Esau became more of Abraham's favorite, and Jacob became more of a mama's boy. And it really created a father wound in Jacob. Jacob's name means deceiver, and he started to live out the meaning of his name. He even went so far as to cheat Esau out of his birthright. Even though they were twins, Esau was born first, and Esau rightfully deserved the birthright, the blessing from Abraham. But Jacob conspired uh, with his mother and cheated Esau out of his his birthright and, and tricked Abraham. I mean, there's just tons of family dysfunction going on here. And there got to be this wedge between Jacob and Esau to the point that Jacob had to flee for his life. So Jacob ran off to his uncle Laban, and he fell in love with one of Laban's daughters. And Laban told him he could marry her if he'd work seven years for her. And so Jacob worked seven years for her. And then on the wedding night, Laban slipped in kind of the ugly daughter. So you guys really need to read your Bible. There's just amazing <laughs> stuff in there. I mean, these are cousins. I mean, this is just this is amazing stuff. And, and, so, and then, so Jacob married her. And then he had to work another seven years in order to marry the daughter that he really wanted to marry. So Jacob has this falling out with Laban and one night he packs up the daughters who are now his wives, he packs up his servants, packs up his shepherds, his sheep and his goats and they sneak away in the night. Jacob's on the run because he's in trouble. That's what we do when we get in trouble. We run. That's what you and I do. Truth is, as humans, that's what we're wired up to do when we're in trouble. The question isn't, are we going to run? Because that's just natural. The question is, where are we going to run to? Are we going to run to God, or are we going to run away from God? Proverbs 18.10, one of our prayer verses this week. God's name is a place of protection. The righteous can run there and be safe. I mean, you've got to run to God. But Jacob is running away from Laban. And it turns out as he's running away from Laban, now he's running back toward Esau. And Esau hears that Jacob's on the move, that he's that he's coming. So Jacob, or Esau gets his servants and his shepherds together, and they're gonna come out and they're gonna probably kill Jacob, take his wives, take his flocks, take take everything. And the night before that happens, Jacob has an encounter with God. Let's look at it here. It says, So Jacob was left alone and a man. And the Hebrew term here is a special term. It could mean a human man. It could mean an angel, like a supernatural being. And some scholars think this is actually Jesus Christ himself, pre-incarnate, before he's born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus is showing up for this encounter. But we don't know. We don't know who it was. But whoever it was, Jacob wrestled with him till daybreak. So circle the word wrestled. Because this process of meeting God face-to-face involves wrestling. Encountering God is not going to be easy. There is a wrestling match going on. Because because some of you have been doing life your way for so long. And honestly, that has kept you from encountering God. And it can affect you in many areas of your life. I want to use one just, just to illustrate this. I just want to... You know, some of you, some of you have never done so much as this during a song, okay? I mean, you've never raised your hand, certainly never raised your hand above hymnal height, okay? You've just never done it because there's just a, a resistance there. Yet the Bible says, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lift up holy hands in prayer, Clap your hands, all you people. I mean, I didn't say that. God said it. God said it. Lift your hands. Clap your hands. And for some of you, that's your next step to encountering God. You just need to lean in to worship. You need to lean into prayer. You need to lean in to fasting. You need to quit worrying about what everybody else thinks. Because the truth is, they're not thinking about you. They're worried about what you think about them. And then we really need to be worried about what God's thinking. And God wants us to lean in to this process. And so some of you, you you just need to start with that process of just leaning into worship. And listen, I I understand the struggle. I've had this wrestling point in my life. 18 years ago when we started Rockbrook, I mean, I was not a hand clapper. I was not a hand raiser. I remember the first worship service at Rockbrook where as the pastor, I actually went like this. And the the whole congregation behind me was going, freaking out because, you know. A lot of us had come out of old traditional churches where, you know, you didn't move during worship and, you know, it was this and you were done. And I remember one of our churches, we had a guy who died during the service and the paramedics came and they took out half the congregation before they found the right guy. Yeah. And it was sad because I like some of those other people too, but, I mean, you know. And so listen, some of you, I mean, you know, I mean, you got this thing going on. You just need to you just need to lean into this, and 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 it may start with just a toe tap. I mean, it's in there. You just got to let it out. <laughs> and 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 you know, when you've kind of mastered that, and, and you're feeling a little more comfortable, you can do this. <laughs> yeah, you take your hands out of your pockets, and then you know few weeks later as you're comfortable with it i mean don't push yourself but you know you can you can do this we call this one carry the tv carry the tv okay. yeah and then you'll go from there you'll move into my fish was this big yeah and then you can go to i give up you and then one day it'll be touchdown you'll get there okay lean in to worship lean into prayer, lean into to fasting. I mean, it's in there. You, you need to do it. But it's a wrestling match in order to encounter God. Because some of us, we're just so used to doing it our way. It says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, when the man, whoever it was, realized that Jacob was being so stubborn. That's what this is. Jacob is being stubborn. And listen, if you're stubborn and you think that's a good character trait... I mean, sometimes stubborn people, you know, they they wear their stubbornness like a badge of honor, you know. But if you're stubborn, you need to realize two things. Number one, you need to realize that stubbornness is only seen as a virtue by the person who's stubborn. You know, everyone else views it as a vice, not a virtue. If you're stubborn, your stubbornness may be pleasant for you, but for everybody else, it's a pain in the neck. Second thing you need to realize if you're stubborn is you need to look up the verses in the Bible that talk about stubbornness and see what happens to stubborn people because it ain't pretty. So when the man realized that Jacob was stubborn, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. God touched the socket of Jacob's hip and wrenched it The Bible says Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Why would God do that? Because sometimes we get so stubborn that God can't work in our life until he brings us to a point of brokenness. Until he brings us to a point where we recognize our weakness. And if you don't initiate it yourself, if you don't become weak before God and say, God, I I, I yield. I give up. God will allow you to come to a point where you realize it and God will let your stubbornness play itself out. Some of you are at a point where your life is falling apart. You've been stubborn. You've done life your way. It's not working out how you thought. So now you're weak. Your hip has been wrenched. Your heart has been broken. And you're living with pain because God is so desperate to get close to you. And there are two ways that you can do this one is you can initiate it yourself and the other one is as god will allow it until you get to that point then the man said let me go for it is daybreak the man says you know i'm done with you let me go i'm out of here you're not listening But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the word for bless here, he's not asking for material possessions and things. The word for bless there is, Jacob says, I want you to touch me deep down inside. I want a joy, I want healing in my soul. That's what he's asking for. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob means deceiver. Israel means wrestled with God. And so he's given a new identity because of this encounter. And then Jacob says, please tell me your name. But the man doesn't tell him. I wish he would, then we'd know who it was. But he doesn't tell him. Okay? He replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. It's like the, the man is saying, no, 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 no. You don't need more information. You don't need more information for your head. You need an encounter for your heart. You don't need something here. You need something here. You don't need information. You need transformation. He didn't tell him his name. He changed his heart. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Named it Paniel means to meet God face to face. That's why we think this may have been Jesus or why it may have been an angel rather than just a man because he's saying, I met God here. Three things happen in this story that need to happen for you and me to encounter God face to face. Number one, write them down on your outline. Number one, we need a new strength. Some of you need to admit that you are worn out and weary. I mean, here's the prayer to pray. Just pray, Lord, I'm exhausted. I am worn out. I'm played out. I need your power. I need your strength. Isaiah says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. God gives his power to the weak. Here's the deal. If you're just going to man up or woman up or cowboy up or whatever up you do, God's going to say, okay, go ahead. Let's see how that works out for you. But if you come to God and say, I am spent, I am wore out, I am desperate, then he'll help you. I I don't like to get up early, but I've been getting up at 4.30, quarter to 5, every day to come over here and pray. Not because I like it, but because I'm desperate. Because I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. I'm weak. God, help me. And if you'll do that, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. You ever see an eagle? Ever seen one like in the wild, where, where, they're, where they're flying? I mean, you, you see, it and they're just up there, and they are just. And yes, it's a bald eagle. But, you know, you watch them, and, man, they they just work it this way. And then they work it this way. And I just, the one I love is when they just hang. I mean, it's just amazing, amazing to watch. And, you know, you look at every other bird, and every other bird, they're like... (laughs) You know, and the eagle, they're just, they're flying without flapping. How do they do that? They, they, they ride the thermal winds that rise up off of the earth. They're, they're not generating lift by flapping. They're, they're, they are relying on the wind to lift them. They're not doing it in their own strength. They're, they're, they're relying on, on the wind to come in and, and just lift them. So the question is, which one are you? Are you going to soar like, like the eagle or are you flapping your brains out? It's your choice, but you need to let God lift you. You lean in to worship. That's probably going to be one of our new worship motions. You guys are going to, you know, (laughs) you'll have to spread out a little, okay? You just need to lean into it. Here's the promise. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Why? Because it's not your strength anymore. It's his strength. That's what's given you, what you need. You need a new strength. Number two, you need a new identity. If you're writing down prayers, your first one is, Lord, I give up. Second one is, Lord, change me. Change me. I want less of me, more of you. I want to become more like Jesus and less like me. The man gave Jacob a new identity. He said, You're not going to be called deceiver anymore, you're going to be called the one who wrestled with God. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God wants to do a new thing in your life. He wants to send streams of living water into your life to flush out all the garbage. He wants to turn your wasteland into a garden that bears fruit. It's time for a new thing. You know, people think God's about the old things. They think God and Jesus and the church are, are old-fashioned. They, they want something new. They want something hot, hip, happening. I mean, do they even use those terms anymore? You no. Know, you no. Know, I think now it's fat and bad. Or, or is that out? Maybe it's, some, maybe it's something else. Because, see, it's culture that goes stale. It's culture that grows old quickly. It's culture that wears out and passes away. But God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, it's fresh, it's new every morning. I mean, God's not about the past. God's in the present. God's about the future. God's about eternity. God's about the new thing that he wants to do in your life. Forget the old stuff. Don't dwell on the past. Do the new thing. When you get to heaven, one of the first things Jesus is going to do is he's going to give you a new name, a new identity. Listen, if you're, you're a guy and your name is Kelly, you are really looking forward to this day. Okay? That's okay, I'm getting over it. Okay, look at this, Revelation 2. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. God God gave Jacob a new identity. God wants to give you a new identity as well in Christ. And he'll do it. He'll do it if you'll meet him face to face. New strength, new identity. Third thing Jacob got was a new joy. A new joy. Some of us are smiling on the outside, but we're dying on the inside. We, we have lost our joy. And you need God to give you a blessing. You need God to put a new spirit in you. You've lost your passion. You've become stubborn. You're not letting God work in your life. God is trying to move in your heart and life. God wants to be close to you, but you are wrestling with God. You are resisting God. And God may have to wrench your hip. God may have to break your heart of stone in order to give you a heart of flesh that beats for him. God wants you to surrender so he can bless you and give you a new joy. got one more verse for you. Let's read this one out loud. Nice and loud voices. Here we go. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So where's the joy? In your presence. Where's the pleasure? At your right hand. You've got to get up close to God. A close encounter. Meet Him face to face. Let's pray together. Some of you, you right, right where you're seated, you just need to make a decision today in this moment. You need to make a decision for the Lord that you're going to seek Him, seek His face. And some of you are lost, you are, you are far from the Lord, you don't even know Him, and so you need to repent of your sin and, and ask God to come in and forgive your sin. If you're carrying guilt and shame, if you feel the pain and stain and the yuck of your sin, you don't have to feel it one more moment, because Jesus Christ has paid for it. And God longs to forgive you. You just got to ask. And maybe you're a believer, maybe you've been a believer for years and you've moved into the routine, you're going through the motions. But inside, inside you're dead. You need to stop wrestling. You stop resisting and you need to lean in. Lean in to the new strength, the new identity, the new joy that God offers to you. God, I pray you'd help us to meet you face-to-face, in worship, in prayer, and fasting, in every area of our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.